Nicola Skinner is a children's author and was previously a journalist. She's a writer of great originality, imagination and wit. Her first novel, Bloom, was published to great acclaim in 2019, and this was followed by a second book, Storm. Nicola's third book, Starboard, is inspired by Brunel's great ship, the SS Great Britain, which sits in dry dock in Nicola's home city, Bristol. The ship was launched in 1843 and was called the greatest experiment since creation. She was built from iron, not wood, and powered by a thousand horsepower steam engine with another new invention, the screw propeller. During her life, she carried passengers to America and emigrants to Australia. And although built to carry passengers in comfort, she was converted to a cargo ship and eventually abandoned to rust away before being salvaged and returned to the city where she was built. The heroine of this story, Kirsten, is an 11-year-old who already has a career as a reality TV star with her own show. The story begins when Kirsten's class is on a school trip to the SS Great Britain. As soon as she sees the ship, Kirsten senses that there is something unique and awe-inspiring about her. And what follows is a magical adventure, a voyage of true discovery. And to help me sail into the story, I'm joined by writer Nicola Skinner. Chapter One. Like a lot of people, Kirsten Bramble had no idea what was missing from her life until the moment she came face to face with it. But it wasn't her usual sort of accessory, like a delicate bracelet or a tiny backpack. It wasn't pocket-sized, for starters. It was a ship. A big, old, gleaming ship. An iron ship. And it tugged at Kirsten's heart like a magnet. Normally, when Kirsten saw something beautiful that she liked, she bought it. Up until recently, that had been easy to do because she was a reality TV star. A much-loved one, with a glittering TV career ahead of her still, despite what some people were saying and a generous pocket money allowance. Perhaps not as generous as it had once been, admittedly, but Kirsten had a plan to fix all that, so everything was totally fine. But this ship looked out of reach. She wasn't sure it was even for sale. Yet her hands twitched a little with all the wanting. The ship's name was the SS Great Britain. Kirsten had thought this was quite funny back at school, when Mrs Wallier, her class teacher, handed out sheets explaining where they were going on their next school trip. Thus, Great Britain, she'd thought, we're going to see a snake. But Mrs Wallier had explained that it was pronounced SS Great Britain, and the S's stood for steam ship, and there were no snakes involved. She said the ship was full of history and had been round the world loads, and now she was a museum ship, and they were going to explore her. Kirsten's class boarded the school coach and an hour later they were in a car park by the harbour side. When she got out of the coach, Kirsten saw something gleaming and massive just beyond a gate and her heart beat faster even then. The back of the ship faced the car park and the ticket office. The only way to approach it was through the gift shop. So when you first came face to face with the ship, it was actually face to bottom. But even that was a thing of beauty. Why were golden unicorns stuck onto the ship's backside? Who knew? They look wonderful, thought Kirsten Bramble, 
walking underneath them, imagining she almost saw one of them give a proud snort. The ship rested on a thick pane of glass that looked a little like water, and it shone in the sun like a huge black swan. She slowly walked round the left side of the ship. It radiated a mysterious power. It made her stop walking. It made her hold her breath. Her eyes couldn't properly take it in all at once. Her eyes felt utterly useless, even though she had two of them. Two weren't nearly enough to see this ship properly. She wanted to look at it forever. Even at the end of that, she suspected she wouldn't be quite finished. It was so glossy. It seemed to drink in all the light around it and radiate it back so that it was practically glowing. Her fingers twitched again. Kirsten looked round. All her classmates had gone on ahead. None of them had waited for her. She looked back up at the ship's shiny hull and sighed. Her thoughts were interrupted by the sound of someone coughing. Looks like you've got it almost as badly as me, said a short man abruptly. Marvellous, isn't she? She? said Kirsten, spinning round to look at the man. Where had he come from? He hadn't been there a moment ago. Oh, yes, he said, staring at Kirsten with dark, clever eyes. She? It's the first and most important lesson of seafaring. All ships are she, and this one, I'm sure you'll agree, is more she than most. All 3,847 tons of her. Right, Kirsten stammered. Um... Have we met before? The man had a face she could have sworn she'd seen somewhere. It was his eyebrows and sideburns, not to mention his tall black hat. Very familiar. He looked significant. He glanced at her, and Kirsten had a sense of ferocious daring. Have we met? he said. Anything is possible with the right calculations. I don't like to rule anything out. He tucked his hands into the pockets of his waistcoat, rocked back on scuffed brown boots and looked up at the ship. Almost alive, isn't she? Kirsten said nothing, because that was exactly what she'd been thinking. She half expected to see the ship's sides gently moving in and out. Together, she and the funny short little man gazed at the SS Great Britain in silent appreciation. In the pages of Kirsten's history book in class, the ship had seemed, well, almost forgettable and a bit dull, if she was honest. Just a black and white photo from another century washed up on the page, like driftwood from the past. But now? Now that Kirsten was actually standing by the ship itself? It seemed almost impossible the vessel in front of her was the same one in the book. They were both black and white, that was true, but this ship had a glossy black hull that shone like satin and a delicate white trim that went round her middle like a ribbon. The ship in the book was easily held within the photograph, but in real life she looked like nothing could ever contain her at all. There were six tall masts sticking out from the ship's huge deck. They had flags strung between them. As these fluttered and flapped in the breeze, it was honestly as if the ship was tossing her hair and peering around for someone to dazzle and charm. Welcome, Nicola. Hello. What a great book. And that I am going to start, I think, by talking about each of these two strands, the ship and the girl separately, and then we'll talk about how their stories kind of connect. So your heroine, first of all, Kirsten Bramble, who has 
a career already at the tender age of 11 as a reality show star, a celebrity. Tell us a little bit about your heroine. Kirsten, on the face of it, she has everything that a young girl could dream about, I suppose, Um, or certainly what, you know, a lot of young people now think is important. Um, She's famous, she's rich, and she's part of, of a huge TV brand. She started her TV career completely by accident. Her father is single, it's just the two of them. And at the tender age of about seven, Kirsten decides that what her dad really needs is a girlfriend. And even though he says to her, look, I'm really happy, just the two of us and our cat, Kirsten doesn't believe him. And perhaps that's because she doesn't think that what they have is enough. They're a very small family unit. So she decides to do a little YouTube clip. And so she takes him out to the garden where the light is flattering (laughs) and she films him and she does a little introduction to her dad and she says that this is my dad he's really good at maths he's really kind and he's looking for true love and will you consider being his girlfriend and she uploads it onto YouTube and this video clip just captures the nation's imagination and goes viral And the newspapers find out about it and they knock on her door. And then this obviously attracts the attention of the TV industry, who then decide to turn her quest for true love for her father into a very, very long TV series. That took a while to evolve. I knew that I wanted the captain of the SS Great Britain to be such a cliche but to be damaged in some way or to have something in her life that needed to be fixed and I felt that the ship needed to sense this and wanted to take her away from it all um, in order for Kirsten to look at her life from a different perspective and and realise that perhaps it wasn't what she wanted I can tell from the way that you're talking that you're very fond of this heroine of yours. It would have been easy for her to be quite an unlikable character. And I was really struck by how you made her instantly likable, in spite of the fact that she's got what has become quite a superficial lifestyle, Mm -hmm. in spite of the fact that she's grown away from her one true friend, Olive, Mm -hmm. and replaced her with a fake friend for TV. In spite of that, we like her from the outset and we root for her from the outset. I'm really glad that you think she is likeable. I never thought of her as an unlikable character ever. I always knew that she would be damaged in some way by the industry that had sprung up around her, but I never thought she was a brat Um, particularly. Although, having said that, I think when I started writing her, her character definitely evolved. It wasn't easy to find, actually. I found that the ship just came to me instantly, her voice, everything. And 
finding the captain took so much longer Mm. and my editor um after reading the first draft said she doesn't seem very believable as a tv reality star wouldn't she be more pampered and so I did add a few things in but then I actually just took them out again because I thought I don't necessarily believe that people who are in the public eye are always pampered or you know diva-ish particularly and she is only 11 but also I think the fact that when we first meet her we see her seeing the ship and I think it becomes very clear that she's lonely and and she is a bit lost as the map says to her and yeah I'm glad that you think that she's endearing although although I also think that there is as authors we must resist the pressure to make our characters instantly likable particularly if they are female because I think we need to allow there to be a little bit of ambiguity Mm. Um, in that representation mm, definitely well she's not un- un- unambiguous <laughs> for sure but there are seeds that uh, and that kind of care for her grow stronger through the story but I want to talk about the other lady in this story which is the SS Great Britain and I know you live in Bristol so therefore I'm assuming that you've been to see this ship. Yes. Oh, I have. And I still remember seeing the ship for the first time and going on board the ship. And she's just completely magical inside. She's, there is a whole world inside that ship. And, you know, centuries worth of journeys and all the people that she's carried and all the places she's been. I don't think we'll ever have another ship like her. And yes, I still continue to visit her. Um, And each time it's the most powerful experience. Now I can't even walk through the gift shop without crying. (laughs) And I always cry when I stand outside that ship and it's just complete overwhelm. Uh, And you do, you get a sense as you describe in your story the colours in the rooms that you talk about and, you know, you get a sense that people are still there. Yeah, very much so. You can't put it into words. I mean, obviously, Starboard is an attempt to put it into words. But I think the reason that ship is so special is because she was almost made up as she went along. And I love the romanticism and that sort of crazy genius of Brunel the fact that he sat down, he started to design a ship, you know, the measurements kept getting bigger and bigger every time. Um, it was almost like she just worked on his imagination and you won't get that if if you're made in a factory. I think, I think there was just an astonishing alchemy at the time and I think the Victorian era is something that I'm really interested in and it was obviously incredibly backward and brutal but it was also so progressive and people just people just reaching beyond the limits of their power and pushing everybody forwards. And the ship is the complete embodiment of that. You talked about the Victorian era just there. And at one point you sum it up in four words, invention, ambition, 
progress, suffering. Can you tell us why those four words? I think if you are going to be ambitious and inventive, you will suffer because you have to pour every single bit of you into what you are doing and then some. I also think that the Victorian era was particularly interesting because I think the suffering came from a real callousness towards humanity. You know, the workhouses are just such a stain on our history. And yet it was the time of Charles Dickens and um, Brunel and Darwin. So there's always a dark side to creativity. I mean, Isambard Brunel, you know, worked himself to death. Mm. He, he couldn't stop. You talk somewhere in the book about his failures and his glories. I guess it's about taking risks. Yeah, I think I, I believe that. You know, you'll only break through if you are also probably prepared to fail. And Brunel failed quite a lot. Um, His atmospheric railway was eaten by rats. His final ship was too big for most docks. And even the SS Great Britain was too marvellous for the world, really. And she failed in some way. Um, Yeah, I think mistakes go hand in hand with any kind of endeavour. So I've got this habit of making people be really serious about their books, which are not, you know, they're not essays. (laughs) They are stories. But they are full of fantastic ideas and those ideas are worth exploring. And also, you know, in gentle ways, children learn those things through the things that they read. So I do think they're important. I think it's all magical storytelling. I hope so. I mean, I think if we were to really sort of dig deep, I think um, I have had feelings of being a real failure. I didn't start writing until I was 38 I remember thinking it would never happen for me. I've changed careers so many times and I've, you know, I've been fired. Um, I think that kind of idea of failure has dogged me through my 30s. Um, And then I think the reason I perhaps am so passionate about Brunel is because I think he also failed quite a lot and if you read any kind of biography about him they often say well a lot of his stuff didn't actually he didn't pull it off you know a lot of the things he did didn't quite work and yet when we look back the things that did work or even the things that didn't work very well they were still completely world changing Mm. so I was probably trying to exercise maybe something I think let's come back to storytelling for a moment (laughs) You've clearly learnt, uh, you know, you've researched a lot about Brunel and the SS Great Britain, formerly called the Mammoth. But I love the way that you get some of this exposition into your story in a magical way. And so I feel we've got to talk about the map because he's he's just so brilliant. He's in that classic tradition of Hans Christian Andersen, <laughs> not just because he's a talking object, which he is. <laughs> Yeah, but because of his tone and, you know, there's that slight ironic thing going on with him. So tell us about the map. <laughs> oh, the map, old flatty. The map is in the captain's room and 
Uh, when Kirsten first meets the map, the map says, look, you know, most people read maps, but I'm a map that reads people. And that's what I'm going to do with you. And I'm going to tell you where to go. And um, I just love that idea. I think that idea came quite early on as well. As as with the ship, it just seemed to come very quickly. And I think in terms of the story itself, the map is great because it complements the ship so nicely the ship is very impulsive and um, doesn't want to be bogged down by the past and the map is the ship's not moral compass but perhaps the more serious almost spiritual side that says this all needs to be done and you are the one to do it and I will frustrate you by giving you lots of riddles because I'm not going to make it easy for you. Sometimes I've thought that the ship and the map sound a lot like my mother and my father. <laughs> but I think I think they just complement each other so nicely. And um, just giving a map a personality feels very subversive and fun. And again, speaking of endearing characters, the map really does not need to be liked mm. at all. And there's something incredibly mm. anarchic about that. The journey that they go on. So the, there's this kind of returning of the SS Great Britain to uh, New York, but there are wonderful places along the way, like the peninsula of the fickle waters of fame and the mists of yearning. And uh, one of the characters that she meets uh, is, is a whaler um, who reminded me a little bit of um, Moby Dick and Captain Ahab in Moby Dick. Any connection there at all or just coincidence? That is sheer coincidence. But I, while I was doing research about the ship, um, I just read any book about the ocean that I could. And I read a book um, called In the Heart of the Sea, which is about the sinking of the Essex ship, which Moby Dick was modelled on. And honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but my agent said can you write a quick outline of what happens in the book and I think I had to get it done over a weekend so I just thought oh quick what do I know what can I use as a chapter and I thought okay great they can be a whaler there can be some buried treasure but of course the whaler ghost is there to remind Kirsten about a character back on land that is quite parasitic so she learns, as in all good quests, she learns things along the way to the final um, outcome. And we're definitely not going to tell anybody about that. I did want to pick up a little bit about the idea of memory dreaming, because all of your stories have this dreamlike quality to them. And it struck me that that might be a little bit like the process of writing as well, this whole idea of memory dreaming. I think with the ship, with Starboard, definitely the idea of the past and how it never really leaves us is is the strongest yet. The ship is completely, at night time, her past is, is all around and Kirsten must wander through and spot the truth of the journey, both for herself and for the ship. And partly I did it just for the sheer gorgeousness of the idea of a girl wandering through a dreaming ship and thinking what on earth would that be like 
But I also think the past, we never leave it. It's it's almost always around us to some degree. It's definitely in bloom, um, except in bloom, the past is literally kind of buried under concrete, but it must escape mm. and it does escape. And in Storm, Frankie's relationship to her past is something that she has a very difficult relationship with. And at times she tries to forget it. And the problem is, is when she does forget it, she loses a sense of who she is. And I think in Starboard, there's a particular element of the ship's past that she's trying to ignore because she's worried it will break her heart. But it must be revealed in order for everybody to heal and uh, go home happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it's not about the dream time, but it's more about suppressed memories and experiences. We've talked already about your heroine and the SS Great Britain, but uh, perhaps they're in, to some extent, have been quite separate in our discussion. Mm. And it seems to me that they um, are reflections of each other. Yes, I think they are like really entwined. I think that obviously was my author instinct kicking in because I th- I think I felt that the story would only work if there was a natural sort of organic connection between them. I felt that the ship herself has such an important message to teach us, but also equally it would only be a meaningful relationship between the ship and the girl if the girl had something to teach the ship and Mm. the ship had something to teach the girl. So I suppose that idea of, you know, the ship's real history is that she was created and let down, Mm. but then she was rescued again. And I think I always feel the ship's really interesting because she's seen the best and the worst of people. And I think Kirsten is the same. She's been sort of built up into something, launched and then let down by the same people. And ultimately she needs to discover that humanity is sort of wonderful again. Mm-hmm. And so I think they they both need to have that experience, I think. I think the ship herself has come to that realisation already Mm-hmm. And so that's why she's quite maternal in a way. She needs to take Kirsten away to say it's all going to be fine. People are quite nice, actually. And, you know, you will. I don't want to get into dangerous territory about saying you will be rescued. Mm-hmm. Kirsten is rescued, but I didn't want her to be a sort of passive um I think Kirsten is able to rescue herself once she discovers the truth about the ship. And she's only able to do that once she recognises what her life is really like. And then finally she says, okay, now I can I can go through the dreams one last time and look properly. So, dear reader or dear listener, listening into this programme, not only do you get all of that with Nicola's novel, Starboard, you also get mannequins that come to life. <laughs> you also get a really good friendship reviving between Olive and Kirsten, which is obviously a joy as well. And you get restoration of a family too. So uh, it's such a great book. Uh, It has given us a lot to talk about today. And thank you so much, Nicola, for giving me so much of your time to explore a little bit of Starboard today. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Nikki. Thanks for coming on board. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. 
To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.